You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Covenant Church in Big Spring, Texas. Thank you so much for joining us online. To find more resources or to donate to this amazing ministry, please visit us at cccbigspring.org or text your amount to 84321. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God. Let's say, let's say goodbye to our children's church this morning. We love y'all. We love these babies and our teachers that do an amazing job. We're so thankful for y'all and for what y'all do. Praise God. Truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. See, God is a spirit. Somebody say spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. I love this scripture. I love this scripture. What I believe God was showing me uh, is so interesting, and it actually comes after this. In verse 25, it goes on to say, The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And in verse 26, we see Jesus' response, and he says, I who speak to you am he observation I have here is so interesting. I, I, I wonder if was she so distracted? Was she so maybe perhaps tired and, and weary from her journey? Was she so confused that she couldn't see that Jesus was standing right in front of her? See, throughout this whole dialogue that she just had with the Savior, she, for whatever reason, didn't pick up on the fact that that Jesus was standing right in front of her. Sometimes there's too much on our plate, church. Sometimes there's too much going on. Things are really chaotic, and and we're trying to say yes to every single person. but, But when we get overloaded, sometimes we need to take a moment, take a step back, slow down. when we do that it will give us the clarity that we need to see that the solution to every problem we have is right in front of us and the solution's name is Jesus Father thank you this morning for Jesus thank you Lord that we uh, have the opportunity to come to your house this morning uh, to read your word Father to worship you God I pray Father that as we move through the message today God that you would move me out of the way God that you would speak directly to the hearts of your people, Father. And God, I pray right now that you would bring revelation, God, and that you would bring freedom to the people of God. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said together, amen. You can have your seats. Thank you, Jeremy. So uh, we are starting a new series. Um, and I get the honor and privilege to, to kick this thing off. And uh, so I want to take just a quick second um, and say thank you and give um, give honor um, to the people that lead this house and lead it so excellently and well. So I just want to say thank you. Can we put our hands together to pa- for Pastor Willard and First Lady? Um, 
we want to uh, take a moment and just honor you and thank you for honoring God and your commitment not only to this church but to the community and your integrity and your marriage and the way that you lead. And so we love you. So thank you all uh, so very much for doing what you do. Um, we, uh, we're starting this series called uh, Kingdom Essentials. Um, and I believe this is going to be extremely powerful, uh, but it, it's so cool uh, because I believe what's going to happen here is we're, we're actually going to spend uh, four weeks, this is week one, um, equipping you uh, with the essentials of the kingdom. And I believe that uh, your family is going to be equipped, your, your marriage, your kids, your, every person that you encounter, you will have the ability, you will be equipped with the essentials. Uh, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that thrives, not just survives, but thrives. Amen. Um, and so this morning, what I want to do is take just a moment uh, to speak to you about kingdom essentials. And if you're if you're taking notes today, um, the title of today is going to be the essentials of a worshiper. Kingdom essentials. The essentials. Of a worshiper. Uh, so just a few few months ago, uh, I was here working. Uh, at the church, and First Lady had come into the office, and she gave uh, us a project to work on. Everybody had a different task uh, that was uh, being asked of us to do, and, and I was tasked with uh, replacing some of the blinds that we have in some of the rooms that are here. So some of the blinds that we had were kind of old and dingy, and uh, there was, you know, we still had the the drawstring, and we were trying to update just a little bit, so we went to this new fancy cordless blinds, and they were, you know, top of the line, really nice looking, right? So I get all the blinds, and, and when I grab them and I go to the room, I just realize that I have no idea what I'm doing, and uh, <laughs> I don't know how to change out blinds, and so hopefully I'm not the only one. I got a few laughs in there, so, uh, but I, so I figured it out, right, uh, as, as you do, and so I grab all the blinds, and, um, and I go to the boxes or the places where I'm supposed to be, and so what I do first is uh, I take everything out of the box, um, and, and I'm looking at all the different pieces and things that are there. First of all, I think they just put extra pieces in there just to confuse you. Like, like I hope you figure this out. There's seven instead of eight or whatever. Okay. So um, so I, I take the pieces. I put everything together the way I believe it's supposed to be put together. And I go to the window frame and, and I put the blinds up. And, and when I put it up, I make sure that it's hanging on the nails right and it's, it's, it looks straight and it looks pretty. And I go to pull on the cords. I'm, I'm going to try this thing out. It's fancy. It's cordless, right? So I go to pull on the blinds and it doesn't move. And I'm shaking it and I'm all, all something's, and I'm pulling on it and it's not going anywhere. So Obviously, my first thought is, you know, something was, was missing or something was done wrong. So as a millennial, I went to the first place that you go to for information. I went to Google, okay? So I went to Google, and uh, I'm, I'm typing in my information, and I'm looking around, and, and I can't seem to find any help there from Google. So uh, the next plausible thing is YouTube. So I go to YouTube, <laughs> and I'm like, surely there's a video of someone somewhere putting these blinds together. Not one, okay? No help at all. Uh, and so, uh, so my, my last thought is everything that I've done is perfectly right. I don't make mistakes. So obviously, the blinds are defective, okay? So I pull down the blinds. I put them in the box. I tuck that one off into the corner. So I stay with a positive attitude, okay? Hey, on to the next one, right? So I go and I grab the next box of blinds, and I pull it out. And this time I say, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take my time, okay? So I open the box, and, and I'm pulling everything out, 
And as I'm pulling out the blinds, I notice something. There's a big white tab on the top of the blinds. And in big red letters, it says, pull to release cords. <laughs> so uh, I'm over here fighting with these blinds, trying to hurt. And, and all I had to do was take a second, slow down, and look at the instructions. All I had to do is take just a second. I'm moving so fast, so quickly, because I'm trying to get this thing done. I have this, this task, and I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to get it done as quick as I If I had just slowed down and paid attention and looked at the tab, I would have seen the big red letters giving me the instructions that I need. Can I submit to you today that if we would slow down for just a second, open up our Bibles, and pay attention to those red letters, everything in our life will begin to fall in to place. Sometimes we're moving too fast. Sometimes we're trying to do things in our own strength and we're trying to do it our way. But if we would say, God, I'm going to just do it your way. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take a second and I'm going to get back to basics. See, I believe there's power in that this morning, church. I believe that there's power in slowing down and going back to basics and understanding what was the original intent of a thing. And so when I look at the idea of worship or, or corporate worship, or what we do on Sundays and what we do on Wednesdays when we come together, I think, God, where did this all start? God, why? Why do you have your people come together to worship you, Father? And so um, we see this, uh, this story in, in the book of Exodus, if you would. Let's go to Exodus in the chap chapter 25. There's a couple verses I want to point out. But throughout this entire chapter um, and around there, God is giving Moses specific instructions on how to build a tabernacle. And how many know we serve a, a, a God of the details? <laughs> and if we would just do it his way, it'll be done the right way. Amen. So in this entire uh, area, this entire story, we see that God is giving Moses specific instructions on how to build his tabernacle. And what I'm thinking here, what I'm wondering here is, is God, why? God, why, why, why bring your people together to, to this place or to this house to worship you? And, and there's a few reasons here, but um, the ones that I want to really point out is Exodus chapter 5 verse 2 says this. It says, Speak to the children of Israel, this is God speaking to Moses, speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me in from everyone who is willing, who, who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my, so God wants in. Come on church, God wants in. All right, y'all with me this morning? Okay, God says bring me an offering. God. So when we come to the house of God, there's a couple of things that we need to remember that we, uh, when we come into the house of God, we are to be sacrificial. We are to bring God an offering. Let's be honest. Talk to me. How many of us come to church and we wonder, man, was that a good service? Was the sermon good? Oh, man, the music wasn't really good this time. But what did we bring to the house of God? What did we bring to the house of God? What contribution did we make to the house of God. See, I believe that when we come to the house of God with, an out, with a sacrificial heart, with, an, with a heart that is geared and leaned towards offering, towards being a solution and not a problem, then all of a sudden we're going to begin to see the atmosphere in this place change. Amen? God says, bring me in offering. In just a few scriptures down, um, we see another command. In verse, uh, verse 8, it says, and let them make me a that I may dwell among them. 
And so God wants a sanctuary. Why? Because he wants a place to dwell among his people. See, we know from the word of God that the spirit of God inhabits the praises of his people. And so when we come to the house of God and we have a heart that's a sacrificial and we have an offering to bring to a contribution, when we come to God and we're ready and uh, we're ready to uh, step into the house and, and bring thanksgiving and bring joy and bring happiness into the house of God, we come in with our hearts geared and turned in a way that we're ready to receive whatever it is that God has for us. When we bring that type of heart and that type of energy, God will never be outgiven and he'll turn around and bless you like Christ. Amen? So when we come to the house of God, we're to bring an offering. And when we bring the right heart, and when we come into his place with praise and with thanksgiving, we set up an atmosphere where God wants to dwell among his people. How many people know that when God's presence is here, we don't have to have a, 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 a deliverance service. We don't have to have a night of worship. We don't have to have a, 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 a healing service because everything that you have a need of when God's spirit is here is provided. Everything that you would ever need or want is provided. When God, God, you don't have to give me anything special, God. I just want you because when I have you, I have everything I need. When God's presence is here, we don't need anything else. Amen, church? I see uh, as, we, as we're uh, reading this text, I, I see that God is so, so intentional. He's so, he's so specific. Somebody say intentionality. Intentionality means it's either done on purpose or it's deliberate, okay? We serve a God of intentionality. I, I think it's so neat that uh, as he's instructing Moses, what he does is he gives him certain instructions on how to tear down the tabernacle and then how to rebuild it. He wants this thing to be mobile and move. And so what he does is he gives Moses some specific instructions. So the first thing that, that, that he does uh, every single time is they move the Ark of the Covenant. They put the Ark of the Covenant in place, and then it's covered and it's protected. Then, then God gives Moses three specific things to do in order, okay? The first thing that he tells Moses to do is to set up the table of showbread. Somebody say showbread. Okay, so there's bread on this table, and it's probably unleavened and looks delicious, right? Okay, how many people like French bread? Just me. Okay, well, uh, hey, there you go. <laughs> so he says, first of all, he says, I want you to go in. I want you to set up uh, this table. So Moses, he sets it up, right? And then the next thing, he says, I want you to set up the menorah. Everybody say menorah. Okay, so he goes and then he sets this up here, and, and the menorah has uh, has the lights. Okay, it's the it's got eight it's got eight arms that swing out, and there's four on each side, and it's and it's the lights. Okay, so he sets that up right. Then he the final thing that he tells him to do is set up the covering in the in the cloths that protect the uh, the entrance or the doorway. Right. So everybody say doorway. Okay. So Moses does these three things, and he does them in the order that God tells him to do it. Right. So what's interesting is that if we look further on into the Bible and we look in the book of John, uh, all of a sudden we see this parallel where now we're seeing Jesus reference the Old Testament scriptures. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Anybody believe that today? In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Anybody believe that today? And then, and then next, in order, in John chapter 10, verse 7, God says, I, Jesus says, I am the door. Come on. Anybody believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light? Amen. 
And so we serve a God of intentionality. And if, you, if we do things the way God asks us to do them, they'll be done in order. If we do things in order and we do things according to God's uh, details and not according to how we want to do it, not according to our preferences, it will always be done right. Amen? So what happens when, uh, when we don't do that? See, a lot of times we can get caught up just going through the motions of doing what we do. Day in and day out, week in and week out. We get caught up in the motions of, uh, of, of, of what we do, and, and, and we, we end up with this mindset of that we're just a clerk at a, at a gas station just doing what we're doing. But can I remind you today that, that, that going through the motions will always cause you to burn out. Going through the motions will always leave you dry and disconnected from what you're doing. So now you're doing what God told you to do, but God's not in it. And so when you have that and you have no replenishment, now you're tired and you're burned out. Anybody been there before? Okay. Going through the motions will always cause you to be burned out. But check this out. But when we get in the presence of God, come on. When we, when, we, when we just, when we go back to basics, when we take a step back, we get some of the things off of our schedule and off of our plate, and we take a moment, we take some time to just say, God, I, I just want you. I want it your way. I want it in your time. I want it to look the way that you want it to look. I want it to sound the way you want it to sound. I want it to smell the way you want it to smell. God, I want it the way you want it. We serve a God of details if we follow the order. We do what God asks us to do. His presence will be there. God will be right in the middle of those situations. And you'll always be connected to the source, refreshed and recharged. Amen. I love this quote. I was reading this book. I've been reading it for a while, actually. Um, and it's called uh, How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. Um, and it has just this incredible quote in it. And I love it so much. Um, the quote says simply says this. It says, a worshiper is a person who has complete freedom to choose, but loves God so much that he chooses to serve and obey him because there's nothing he'd rather do. There's a difference today, church. There is such a difference between uh, being finding time in your schedule to worship God and living a lifestyle of worship. See, I believe that once we get to the place, once we get to a place where there's nothing we would rather do, there's nothing we would rather do, no place we would rather be, but be able to worship God, then we're going to see that shift. All of a sudden, we're not making time for church. We're not making time for worship. We're not making time for ministry. Our life is ministry. Our life is the presence of God. And what happens whenever we carry the presence of God everywhere we go? We shift an atmosphere. What happens when a church carries the presence of God everywhere it goes? We shift an entire community. We have to walk in that. Stay connected to the source. Shift. But let me ask you a question. As, as we make that shift, we see this, this, this parallel, this difference from, from what we do corporately, what we do in the house of God to what we do in our homes, what we do with our family, what we do with our friends. Parents, can I encourage you today to be an example of a worshiper to your children? Be an example of a worshiper. Be an example of a person that uh, that when you're sitting at the when you're sitting at the dinner table, put, turn the the TV off and put the phones away and just talk to them and say, "Hey, what does God talk to you about lately?" Start somewhere. 
Maybe that's not something you're comfortable with, but start somewhere. Just tell them, say, hey, I've been praying for you about A, B, and C. Hey, what has God told you about that? What have you been praying about lately? Parents, what, we, what would happen if uh, when we walked into the sanctuary uh, and, and, our, and our kids are looking up to us and they see us with a smile on our face and with our hands lifted to the Father saying, God, I'm here to give you everything that I have, Father. I'm here to be sacrificial. God, I'm here to trust you. Even when I walk in the door and I'm upset because I know something isn't going right in my life, when I know I'm not where I want to be on my job, I know where I'm not want to be in my relationship with my spouse, things are not necessarily going the way I wanted them to go with my health. And and God, I'm upset and I'm dealing with this and I'm frustrated. But God, when I walk into the house, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you because you're worthy. Even in the midst of that situation, you are still worthy. Even in the midst of what's going on in my life and someone else's life around me, Jesus, you are still worthy. The darkness of your situation doesn't change the worthiness of Jesus. Never has, never will. Parents, let me encourage you today. Be an example of a worshiper to your children. Be an example of a worshiper to your spouse. And as we move into this, this idea of what we do at home, we, we can take it even a step further and say, well, what do we do in our private time? What do I do when it's just me? When I get alone with God and it's just me and him, what I think about my mind immediately just goes to Jesus in the garden and he's praying. And he just says, Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me. But he knows. He knows already what he's about to endure. He knows they're going to whip him. They're going to beat him across his back. He knows they're going to spit in his face. They're going to call him names. They're going to take a crown of thorns and they're going to mock him and shove it down on his head. And then he knows he's going to carry that cross and he's going to be nailed to it and he's going to die. But he did that because you were worth it. He did that because you were worth it. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of our worship? Is he worthy of, of, us, of us taking a moment to say, Father, I don't want anything else. But I just want to spend time with you. A savior that died and went to the cross for us wants relationship with us. Is he worthy today? We all worship something. It may be different things. In some way, we're all actually worshipers. And what we have to kind of do is figure out how to understand and acknowledge a few things. And maybe for some of us, it's our job. Maybe that next promotion that next position. Maybe that's the one thing that we're chasing all the time. Maybe we worship that. Maybe it's money. <laughs> Maybe we're always finding the next opportunity to make a quick buck, and we're always just on the run, and we're so busy doing that that we forget about, job, about God. We worship that. Let's be honest. For some of us, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's someone that we, that we love and we care about so much that we spend all of our time thinking about them and, and trying to, to get it right when we've messed up or, or trying to figure out a way to make them happy. And, did it, and you forget about God. You worship that. We're all worshipers in some way. We got to figure out how to make sure our focus is on Jesus. Amen? 
anything. Somebody say anything. Anything that we put before God is an idol. Anything. Idolatry is worship, is the worship of anything in the place of God. We have to be able to, to, to look inside of ourselves, search within our own hearts, and really dig down deep and say, God, show me. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me where my focus is. Show me where uh, my heart is. See, I want to share, share with you guys a term. There's a term in, uh, in sociology, uh, and it's called value neutrality. And I've been learning about this in, in one of my classes, and, uh, and it's so interesting. Uh, so value neutrality, it actually, as described by Max Weber, is, is the duty of a sociologist to understand and acknowledge his or her own personal biases in order to overcome them. Okay, one more time. It's the duty of a sociologist to understand and acknowledge his or her own personal biases in order to overcome them. I love this sermon, and, and as I was thinking about it, I feel like the Lord told me that it's the same way in worship. I think there's some people uh, that have some hindrances when they come into a worship experience because they need to take a moment to understand and acknowledge what it is that's keeping them from being able to press into the presence of God. If we keep coming into this place and, and we keep hitting this wall, but we don't ever figure out what's holding the wall up, we're not ever going to make any progress, right, church? So it is our duty as worshipers who are seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth to figure out what it is, what, 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 are, the, what are the weights, what are the things that are on my arms that keep me from lifting up my hands to Father? What are the things that are closing my mouth and sealing my lips so that I can't give God the praise? What are the things that are keeping me from being able to, uh, to receive healing and revelation from the things that we're uh, singing and reading and praying throughout these worship experiences? What is it that's keeping me from being in the presence of God. Because when we understand and we know these things, then we'll be able to work on some of those. So you say, what, is that, what does that mean? How does that apply biblical? Well, let's look at Jeremiah 17 and 9. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says that above everything else, the heart is deceitful. Deceitful, right? And so can, when you walk into a place and you feel a certain way, you can't always trust your heart. You can't always trust how you feel about a certain, certain situation. So what do you have to do? In order to get clarity, you got to be able to question what's in your heart and be able to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of times we want to put ourselves on the throne when we really need to come down a notch and put the Holy Spirit where he's supposed to be. Right? So we take a second. So, so we say, God, yeah, I feel this way. Yeah. I feel this way because of A, B, and C. I, I, this is how I feel. I just, this is how I feel. But the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, but you're wrong. And sometimes it's hard to have other people tell you you're wrong, but when the Holy Spirit does it, he does it so, so gently, so comforting. You say, you know what, I understand you feel that way, but this is the reality, and I need you to get it right. Sometimes we need to be able to question ourselves, but when we do that, we have to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because a heart that's confused about what is worthy of worship cannot worship God in spirit and in truth. You cannot do it. So today what I want to do is I want to give you four things. I want to give you four points. And if you'll write these down and, and maybe write down what the Lord is telling you about these things, but I want to give you four essentials of a worshiper, four things to put in your pocket. And the first thing today is a revelation. 
We need a revelation about our lives, about who we are, about where God has brought us out from, about the things that God is doing in our lives. We need a revelation because a lot of times God is moving and shaking and doing things, and we don't even open our eyes to see what he's doing. We need a revelation. So what does that look like? My, my revelation, for, for me, it was, it was really interesting to see uh, my transformation. If some of you have uh, uh, known me a, a long time, you've seen me go through a lot of different changes uh, in my life as seasons have changed. But one, one of the biggest things that has really changed for me was going from uh, an identity crisis to knowing that I am a son of God. I used to be so wrapped up in the fact that I could play guitar and sing. I used to be so wrapped up in, in, in so many other things that I wanted to label myself as because of what people told me I was or what people told me I could do. But, but the moment that I got rid of that insecurity of being wrapped up in those things and just said, God, I'm just your son. I'm just your son. It takes so much weight off. It takes so much pressure off. You don't have to be anything but Jesus' son. You don't have to be anything. See, God has adopted us. As sons and daughters, and we're royalty. We are royalty. When we go from our identity crisis of being wrapped up in what we do, that's not who we are. You're a son and you're a daughter first. Everything else is on top. The next thing, the next thing that I think we need uh, as worshipers is invitation. Invitation. See, there needs to be a moment where, we, where we, uh, we slow down and we stop what we're doing for just a second and we say, God, I'm inviting you into the middle of this situation. God, I, I've, I've figured out in my mind that I can't do this without you. And every time that I've tried, I've failed or I've made it worse than it was before. And so, God, what I'm going to do this time is I'm going to take a second and I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to invite you into the middle of this situation and I'm going to let you handle it. We need to take a moment. When we're going to battle, when we're going to war for ourselves and for, for our families and for this community, when we, when we take those times and those moments to pray and go to battle, we need to say, God, I'm going to do my part, but I need you at the center. No matter what the circumstance, I need you at the center. So we invite God into that situation. The third thing is we need an expectation. We need an expectation of God to actually move. See, I think it's so interesting uh, that, we, uh, that we sing a song like, uh, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who. But do we believe that? See, it's a catchy tune. <laughs> it's a catchy tune. But do we believe that? That he is a miracle worker? Or is it outlandish to come into the house of God and believe that you're going to be healed? To come into the house of God and believe that you're going to be set free? To come into the house of God and know that you've been praying for that son or daughter that's wayward? And to come into the house of God and believe that Jesus is going to bring them back? Come on, we need an expectation today, church. We need an expectation in our hearts. And the only way that we get that is by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by have an expectation of God to move, to shake things up, to be the God that he says he is. Amen. And the final thing, I humbly submit to you today that the final thing I believe that you need, the fourth essential of a worshiper, is participation. 
How many know that faith without works is dead? We have to be able to come in and get out of our comfort zone and get out of our preferences and get out of how we feel about it and let God be God. So when we walk in the doors and, and we're carrying those burdens and we're carrying these thoughts and we're, and we're heavy-hearted or, or maybe we just had a fight on the way in or, or the kids are acting up crazy and, and, and all this stuff, when you come in the house of God, lift your hands, sing unto God, declare the words, declare the words. Don't just sing the words and let them be on your lips. Declare the words, declare that I am who you say I am that I am chosen, not forsaken. Declare these things over you, and I believe that God will honor. He will honor your participation. So the four things. Revelation. Say revelation. Say invitation. Say expectation. Say participation. All right, I'm closing. Worship team, y'all can come on. I see this um, this uh, this story in... Um, in the eighth chapter of Luke, and uh, it is uh, when Jesus encounters a, a demon-possessed man. And so, um, I'm going to move this real quick. And so what happens is, is Jesus in, encounters this man, and um, as he walks up and, and engages him, he, uh, uh, he, he's, he's walking forward, and this man sees Jesus, and and when he sees him, he, he, he runs to Jesus and, 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 he, and he yells loudly and, and he falls at the feet of Jesus. And then shortly after that, we see Jesus begin to have this dialogue with, with the demon that is uh, possessing this man. And, um, there's a few different things that, that I really love uh, about this story. Um, uh, a few verses down at the end, we actually see... Um, that there are some people that came to see what, what all had happened with Jesus and this man. And, and when they came to see, they see this man um, that had been possessed by demons, uh, acting like an animal, being crazy and uncontrollable. We see this man sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that he's clothed and he's in his right mind and he's kneeling at the feet of Jesus. I believe a lot of times what we do, church, is we always know where to go. We always know where to where to where to hide. We always know where to to dip back in the shadows whenever things are not going the way we want them to be. And so so what we do is we actually um, we we retreat. And so we get in these situations and 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 maybe we're caught up in something and and we're like you know what. I can't deal with this right now, and, and I definitely don't want people to know that I'm dealing with anything. So what do we do? We, 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 we retreat. And we, we find a place to hide. And, and when we find this place, we say, okay, I'm, I'm here, and, you know, I'll just work on it myself. I just need some space. I just need some time. I, I, I can get this figured out. And so, uh, and so then what we do is, uh, is we ask Jesus uh, to, 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 to heal us or, or to help us or to show us what it is that we're supposed to do. And, and, and a lot of times we, we get to this place where we're just waiting on God and we're saying, God, uh, I know you can do it. I, I know you can heal me. So that's why I'm here. That's why I'm, uh, that's why I'm in this place. And so, uh, and so we come to Jesus and, and, and we're hiding in this spot. And then maybe we take a moment and, and, and we just wallow in our shame. Maybe we take a moment and we just say, God, I don't know if I'll ever get this right. So I, I'm just going to stay in the shadows. 
maybe we take a moment sometimes and we just say, you know what, God, if, if, if it doesn't look the way I want it to look, I'm just going to stay here, hidden in this place, and I'm just going to be here forever. But, but, but a lot of times what we do when we run to Jesus and we fall at his feet, what we do is we bring our bondage with us. We say, Jesus, I'm, I'm here, God. I'm, I'm at your feet, Jesus. I, I, I'm worshiping you. I, I came to church. I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. God, I'm, I'm here at your feet. But, but we bring our bondage. We get caught in this cycle. So what do we do? We, we take our bondage and we just make ourselves comfortable. We take our bondage and we just, we just make ourselves comfortable. But the thing is that Jesus loves us so much that he won't leave us in this place. So we see Jesus and he comes to us and he takes our bondage and he takes our change. But we say, no, Jesus, you don't understand. You, I, I cheated on my wife. I, I've never been faithful. This is, I deserve this. And he takes our bondage. But then we say, no, Jesus, you don't, Jesus, you don't get it. I, I cheat on my taxes all the time. I, 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 I've, I've made a lot of people lose a lot of money. I, I, but then we say, no, Jesus, get, stop, just stop. You don't. You don't get this. I, I watched pornography last night right before I came to church. He takes our chance. Jesus, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't understand. I, I, I do drugs all the time. That's what I love. That's what I do. I can't stop. The, I deserve this bondage. I deserve these chains. But we see Jesus take our chains. And we see Jesus set us free. And we read the word of God and we see a scripture like Romans 6, 6. And it says this. It says that if we, if we were to die just like Christ died, then we're supposed to be raised to life just as he was, to live a new life. And when we have that revelation and we've invited God into our situation and we expect him to move and then we participate, what we do is we pick up these chains and we give them to Jesus and then we walk in freedom. Come on, we walk in freedom today. It takes a worshiper to worship in spirit and in truth. Would you stand with me today, church? God, we want to be sensitive to what you want to do today. Father, it's not about our agenda. It's not about what we want. Spirit, would you have your way in this moment, please? Would you just let God deal with you for just a moment? Just let God deal with you. Just let the Holy Spirit minister to you.
all across the room, just begin to ask God to show you, to open your heart and show you the areas, show you the things that are holding you back, show you the things that are keeping you from worshiping God, freedom and spirit. been some things holding you back and regardless of of the situation regardless of who's around you regardless of what people may think regardless of what you think allow the Holy Spirit to minister you to you in this moment the altar is where you come and lay it down but when you lay it down you leave it pick up your bondage and take it with you. Here's what we're going to do. I don't want anybody worried about anybody else. Don't look around. Don't do anything. Listen to the Holy Spirit leading you. Listen to the, to the voice of the Father leading you in this moment. If God is telling you you need to get to this altar and do some business with him, then you need to come on the count of three. One, don't look around. Don't worry about anybody else. Two, don't worry about anybody else saying something or whatever. Just come to the altar. Three, come now. Come on and come now. Come on and come now and respond. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's just you and God. Let the Holy Spirit deal with you today. Yes, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 There's worshipers in the house. There's believers in the house. Would you take a moment and just begin to pray for these people here at the altar? Just begin to pray for them right now in Jesus' name. Open your mouth and pray. Father God, we know and we believe, God, that you know all things and you see all things, God. And everything that we that we have need of, God, God, is in the house. Father, right here at this altar, we come right here, Father, to do business with you, God. And we pray right now in Jesus' name, God, that you would go ahead and expose the game plan of the enemy in their lives, God. Go ahead and expose the game plan of the enemy that's in that's going through their thoughts and creeping into their marriage, Father. That go ahead and expose the game plan of the enemy, Father, that is dealing with them in their private time, God, when they're when they're maybe making choices that they shouldn't make, Father. Right now, in Jesus' name, go ahead and bring freedom, God. We go ahead and we take the chains off of us, God, and we lay our bondage at the altar, God. God, right now in Jesus' name, there's freedom in the house. There's freedom in the house. And there's freedom in the house because of Jesus. No other name but Jesus. And so all you have to do is open up your mouth and begin to ask Jesus to being free to, to go ahead and break those chains, to go ahead and deal with your heart, to go ahead and deal with your mind. God, we submit to you right now. Holy Spirit, have your way in my heart. Holy Spirit, have your way in my mind. Holy Spirit, have your way in my body. My body will submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way in my marriage. Have your way in my singleness. Have your way, Father, in my workplace. God, have your way right now in my family. Holy Spirit, have your way in my worship. God, Holy Spirit, have your way right now in every aspect of my life. God, we bow it down and we lay down to you right now in Jesus' name. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. 
situation is different. Take just a second and in your heart say, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave me where I was. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave me in that bondage. Thank you, Jesus, that you reached down and got into the darkness and got into the mess with me and pulled me up out of there and gave me the freedom that I have today. Thank you, Jesus. to close let's take a moment to do business with the Lord what I mean by that there is power in prayer I was sharing with somebody this morning that prayer really allows heaven to invade our earthly affairs so never underestimate the power of prayer this is why we need to pray there's people that are online, there's people on site in this room and throughout the church that is tuned in in this moment. And we have to believe God to break strongholds. Now first, let's define what a stronghold is. Because if we're going to worship God in spirit and in truth, bondages have to be broken. There's people in this room that represent across sections of all kinds of challenges in life. And let me tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a lie that the enemy has set up in your mind that you have chosen to believe. I'm going to say it again. A stronghold is a lie that the enemy has set up in your mind. And what makes it powerful is you have chosen to believe the lie. So let me give you an example. I've been diagnosed with diabetes. The lie is, if I just pray and not put into practice a change of diet and eating, come on, talk to me, somebody, that it's just going to automatically be okay. And that allows me to escape, here it is, personal responsibility. You cannot change your life hanging with the same old problems that got you there in the first place. So somebody was telling me the other day they was praying for a family member who I guess has since uh, become deceased. But they was talking about this person who was, I'm just using this as an example, was taking insulin but yet still not eating right, not drinking right. Taking medicine on top of their dysfunction without breaking the stronghold which is the lie in their mind that they've chosen to believe. What it takes to get free, it takes to stay free. So this is what we're going to do in this moment. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's somebody in this room, if there's somebody listening online, 
I trust that the Holy Spirit has already brought to your attention something that has to be broken in your life. But the reason it has been there season after season is because you've chosen to stay there. You've been told that it is okay, so you stay in the lie. You've been told this is how we are in our family, so you've chosen the lie. We're supposed to be poor. We're supposed to be broken. We're supposed to be down and out. We're supposed to be the last one and not the... We're supposed to be down and not up. We're supposed to be last and not first. Those are the lies of the enemy. The problem is you've chosen to believe it. I don't supposed to be happy in my marriage. I don't supposed to be blessed in my career. I don't supposed to be a successful single parent. That's a lie from the pit of hell. So whatever stronghold, whatever lie that the enemy has placed in your mind, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, have you chosen to believe it? And what we're going to do in these last few moments is pull those strongholds down. There's people in this room, you got all kinds of testimonies that if I threw you the mic, you could tell people, I used to lie. I said, the enemy told me I would always be addicted to cocaine. I would always be on meth because my dad was on meth and his dad was on meth. And so the lie is, is that this is what we're supposed to do. I've never been faithful to a woman. Nobody in my family has ever been faithful to their spouse. So this is how we live. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Listen, it may be a fact, but that don't make it truth. I'm going to say it again. That may be a fact in your family history, but that doesn't make it truth. The truth is that you can break the curse in Jesus' name. Amen. So as these have come to this altar, and these in this room, those are online. Whatever that stronghold, that lie that you have chosen to believe, and the Holy Spirit has brought it to your attention, I want you to give it to Jesus. Every lie, every lie, give it to Him. Say, Lord, this has been shot and been in my mind for years, and I'm believing you to break it now in Jesus' name. One of the greatest lies is that you cannot be saved that you cannot be born again you can be saved you can be redeemed and know you are not too far gone for Jesus to reach you so Father in the name of Jesus Christ in this moment we honor you and we say Lord move in this mist we thank you for the word that has been spoken we thank you for the word that has went forth but now Lord we ask that the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit would guide us through this process and every stronghold that has been over our lives, covering over us, we pray that it would be broken in the name of Jesus. Pull down that stronghold. And we cast down every imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God. And we bring it in obedience to Christ. In Jesus' name. every person here that is saying I prayed that prayer before I've been there before let me tell you something give God another chance give God another chance Father we thank you in Jesus name Amen now before we dismiss I want your attention 
over the next four weeks to start, well, we're already started week one. So over the next three weeks, we go into kingdom essentials. What I want you to do is I want you to prepare yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit to let God use you to advance the cause of Christ in your circle of influence. Quit believing that it's somebody else's responsibility. It is yours as a kingdom citizen. All kingdom citizens has duties, rights, and privileges. Notice the first one I said was duties. Look at your neighbor and say responsibilities. So what I want you to do is prepare yourself. Now, the best way to do that is I'm going to meet you here on Wednesday night. We had a great launching or relaunching. Y'all know we were down for midweek service for six months. This past Sunday, uh, past Wednesday was the first time we met since March the 11th. And man, God moved in this house. And I could feel the power of God. So, so listen, I don't have to come to church to feel the power of God. I felt the power of God going down the highway. I felt the power of God sitting in my living room. Amen. But the Bible says in Psalms 133, God commands the blessing upon our unity. So when we gather, did you know God will bless you just for showing up? God blesses our obedience. And so what I'm going to challenge you to do this coming Wednesday, to not meet us here, but beat us here at the house of God at 7 o'clock. We're going to enter into a time of worship, and then we're going to share something with you from the Word of God to prepare you for kingdom essentials. Amen? Are we ready? So, Father, we thank you. Take this word, hide it in our heart that we might not ever sin against thee, but bring it back to our remembrance at that time where we need it the most. We thank you that you are using us to advance the cause of Christ, not just in our families, but right here in our church, right in our community, right in the areas of circles of influence. We thank you for what you have done and are doing in our lives is our prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and the church of God said... Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. God bless.